Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast, Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. So, uh, at the outset of the Mets series, uh, we said that the Nats really only had to win one of three in order to really hit their target without Soto on the road against a good team like the Mets, and they did that. They won one of three. However, in the two games that they did not win... They did not score a single run. Uh, they have, over the last five games, in which they've gone 3-2 and two without Juan Soto, they have a total of six extra base hits, uh, including exactly one home run, and that was by Josh Bell. Um, now, on Friday, the Nats faced yeah. Jacob deGrom. And, and he looked as good as I've ever seen him look. The 27 Yankees probably couldn't have done too much against the ground that night, mostly because they're I mean, all dead. Because they're, they're dead. And also, like, they'd never seen a guy who looked as anywhere as close to Jacob DeGrom back in their day. I, I really don't think that any of us have in the no. sense of a – I mean, you could talk about Nolan Ryan, uh, but in terms of a starter who can literally sit at 100 miles an hour, who has a – a slider that's in the low to mid nineties, uh, and a changeup that sits there as well, uh, and, and can command the way that Jacob Degrom does. I don't think, in terms of pure stuff, baseball has seen a guy like him. Uh, so it, it's hard to fault the Nats for putting together two hits in a nine inning, sixteen strikeout, complete game shutout off of Degrom. I mean, I think the Grom. The coolest thing about the Grom is how he's mostly a fastball pitcher. Honestly, I mean, when you have a fastball velocity that averages like what is the average velocity? Ninety-eight point uh, nine miles an hour, and that's an average. Like, it's it's truly incredible what he can do uh, with just basically his one pitch. I mean, he does he throws about like eighty percent of the time, if I remember correctly. Um, which is, you know, predominantly his one pitch. But when that pitch is sitting at 99 to 101 all night and has that movement, like it, it, I'm sure it looks even faster than that as it's coming at you because it's got a lot of pickup to it. So that's it's, I think it's the, the best pitch in baseball right now. So the scouts were talking about DeGrom, and they were talking about his fastball and his slider and his changeup. And they would all, on a, a two-to-eight scale, they would grade all three of those pitches as eights, which is not surprising. But uh, the Mets pitching coach, Jeremy Hefner, was talking with um, the Mets broadcast at some point, And he said something along the lines of, the Grom's also got an eight curveball that he just doesn't use anymore because he doesn't need it. Like he's got a fourth pitch that's incredibly good that he never needs to throw because his other three pitches are so good that they render the fourth pitch unnecessary. Like he's he's a freak of nature. The fact is, you know, I was watching his his 2015 All-Star game appearance, which is sort of the mm-hmm. the moment when baseball realized what he's he could out. be. And he yeah. was sitting in one inning, 96 to 98 with his fastball at age 27. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy really has it. Fast forward six years, he's now turning 33 in a couple of weeks. 
and he again, you know, averages 98.9 miles an hour with the fastball. Uh, that's obviously abnormal, not just to mm -hmm. throw 99 as a starter, but also to have added that much velocity in the time frame that he did. It's really, it's freakish. Uh, now, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember if, I believe that DeGrom's game score in uh, in Friday's game was something like a, a top five performance in the last 20 years of baseball. Uh, I think, let me pull it up. I'll, I'll find this out as we talk. But I mean, honestly, I mean, yeah, a lineup without. So his game score is one hundred and nine. Uh, uh, that's that's the new game score. I don't recognize that. Uh, old okay. old game score. Um, oh, that was that was pitches. Never mind. That was the wrong thing. I was like a number of pitches, not game score. Uh, yeah, his game score was ninety eight. Um, ninety eight. Which? Yeah. No, not out of a hundred. Was that's, out of that's not how game score works. Oh, that's uh, right. It's out of it's it's by like certain attributes. Yeah, uh, you start out with fifty, uh, and then you get points for every out, and then you get two points for every inning completed after the fourth. It's a it's a complicated formula. The Kerry mm -hmm. Woods is the best performance uh, of all time. It's one oh five, uh, not of all time, but of a. a Regular season Recent. game, yeah, uh, because obviously guys don't throw in the tenth and eleventh innings anymore, and that could ratchet up in, in terms of points. But uh, Max Scherzer's was tied for the second best game in recent memory, and that was his 17 strikeout no hitter, and that was 102. Uh, so Degrom, the point is, Degrom had one of the best starts in modern memory uh and i mean it, it, could you qualify it by saying that he was facing a lineup that didn't have juan soto where you know josh bell and kyle schwarber are hitting a collective 160 on the season you could qualify it with all those things but the fact is he was really 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 good and and mm -hmm. no one was going to touch him um, yeah then on Saturday, the Nats got another encouraging start from Joe Ross, uh, which makes yeah, I think three I, of four. I th exactly, and I think the Cardinals' loss is more of an outlier to this point. I mean, if you're going to – I've liked what I've seen from Ross. I think he, he settled back in from that terrible outing, adjusted, tried some different stuff uh, from his last start to this start. Uh, and, yeah, he looked really good. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez had a great game. So far, two great games. In his uh, first two starts, as especially as a two-hole hitter, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, I don't know how long that's gonna last. I think it's it's probably time to maybe start having a conversation about whether or not he sticks around on the roster when Soto gets back. Yeah, um, I mean, do you send down uh, the, the Stevenson? No, I mean you, what you would or probably do is Perez. you'd probably cut Mercer. I completely forgot Hernan Perez was on this roster. Yeah, th that's the point. The Nats have a lot of redundancy between Perez and Mercer, and you probably don't need them. Uh, I like both Mercer them. more than Perez. Perez plays more positions. Perez plays yeah. the outfield. Mercer doesn't. But 
neither of them are very good. Uh, and Hernandez is probably not very good either, but uh, he provides something. He's fun. In a left-handed power bat off the bench that you don't really have elsewhere on the roster. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice counterpoint to Zimmerman off the bench. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. You know, he's 33 years old. This is his first real taste of the big leagues. He's been in the Nats system for going on five years now. Uh, and the Nats' internal evaluations of him have never been that high, uh, which you can sort of tell by the fact that he's produced at AAA all these years and the Nats have never had any inclination to bring him up. Uh, they haven't given him much run. He's now getting some at-bats out of necessity. Um, I don't know. He's worth keeping around just because he does some things no one else on this roster does. But mm-hmm. who knows how good he is. This, Yeah. I mean, I think there's plenty of room right now with for to try out different guys on this team because like i mean with perez and mercer you kind of know what you're getting with them and it's not much right uh but yeah um this lineup needs an influx of offense somehow and of course soda coming back and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the series preview but thank god we're gonna have a dh the next two days so we can get zim's bat in the lineup um the the real problem with the nats right now beyond the fact that you know Soto was out and you know the real problem right now is they're not hitting for any kind of power no. uh, the Nats are 6th in the NL in batting average and 15th in slugging percentage uh, which would make them also 15th in the NL in isolated slugging percentage uh, they are 14th in the league with 14 home runs Turner has four, Soto and Zimmerman have two, no one else has more than one. Um, they're not hitting for any kind of power. It's No. Uh, they, again, as we mentioned in the open, they had six hits, extra base hits, in the last five games. Uh, and they won three of those games, which is a, a testament to the pitching staff and on Saturday to what they were able to do stringing hits together. Uh, they had no extra base hits out of 10 hits on Saturday and were, were able to score seven runs out of that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, I you'd hope that the off the power comes, especially when you still have Bell and Schwarber. Although, I mean, they have looked, especially Bell, has looked just like he's completely lost at the plate. His timing's off. He can't catch up to a fast. I mean, it, it's, it's terrible how, how bad he looks right now at the plate, how lost he looks. You'd hope that at some point he doesn't stop looking this lost. <laughs> I mean, he, he has to. He has to figure out something. I mean, he's a professional baseball player. He has to figure out a way to adjust to the game. You'd hope that you know Kevin Long sits him down and they watch like game footage. It, it's uh, been two weeks since he got off of the COVID IL. Uh, that's fully half of a spring training. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously... You don't want to compare those two things. And frankly, we don't know what Bell was able to do while he was on the COVID IL. We don't know how he felt because, uh, you know, the rumor is that he actually had COVID, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But he and Schwarber have done exactly the opposite of what you would hope that you would get 
out of your four and five hitters. Even without Soto, if Bell and Schwarber are hitting like they did in 2019, along with Turner, that's enough. That's to, plenty of offense. It, that's enough to score some runs. But mm-hmm. when your four hitter is hitting 119 and your five hitter is hitting 192 and neither of them are hitting for all that much power, uh, you're just you're not going to get any – like there are no sources of offense on this team apart from Trey Turner right now. And, mm. and Yadiel Hernandez. Yadiel Hernandez is not – you know he's great hitting for a ton of power either no. uh he has one he's extra base hit on the season but you got to love him uh because he's had a couple of good at bats in a row and that's what passes for offensive production on this team right now uh i think the the other thing we have to talk about from the Mets series is Patrick Corbin who had another poor start uh yeah but, I mean, as you were saying a bunch yesterday on Twitter, and I agree with it, his stuff it looked like a, just a regular not-great Corbin start as opposed to the worrying signs of Patrick Corbin. His fastball velocity was still there. It just looked like he didn't have the command of it, which is what happens with Corbin from time to time. He does have a high walk rate. He does lose command pretty easily. So I, I, I personally, you know, even in a way, was even more encouraged by yesterday's start than than they had been with his other bad starts, obviously. Corbin was 90 to 92, touching 94 with the fastball, which is exactly where he was in 2019 when he was very successful. And he didn't look like he was reaching for his slider release point in a way that he was with his first two starts. And his second start in particular was extraordinarily troubling on that. He He basically tried everything he could think of every arm slot he could think of with his slider to try and get that get outs and couldn't do it the problem with corbin is that he's a two-pitch pitcher exclusively i mean yeah obviously he has the, the curveball and the changeup, but he is primarily a two-pitch pitcher and the way that he works is that when his fastball is located low in the zone that sets up his slider because his slider is almost exclusively a chase pitch. Um, but if he's not locating the fastball low in the zone, no one thinks that they have to chase the slider because no one, you know, basically you, you get into that same sort of knuckleball mindset where if it's high, you let it fly, and if it's low, you let it go. And that works uh, with, with Corbin. So... Yesterday, he didn't have fastball command at all. He couldn't keep his fastball down in the zone. When he was getting strikes, they were up in the zone. Uh, And that meant people weren't chasing his slider. And it also means that when he makes mistakes, either sliders in zone, as he did to J.D. Davis, uh, which was the the two-run home run that he gave up in the first inning, that they get hit. So these are things that are probably fixable. Obviously, you would prefer that he would have a good start and not a bad one. Uh, Truth be told, if the Nats don't score, they can't win regardless. But um, it's, it's less troubling than 
obviously, than the, the Diamondbacks start, which was some of the worst pitching I think I've ever seen. Uh, so hopefully Corbin figures it out. Obviously not great that through four starts, your, your three starter, your third ace, has an ERA over 10. But um, he does look healthy, which is important. So hopefully good yeah. things will come from Corbin. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not as worried with our pitching staff as I was a week ago, two weeks ago, even though Strasburg is out for the, for the foreseeable future. It doesn't seem like it's going to be terribly long. I don't know. I, I don't think we got much of an update on Strasburg, but it doesn't seem like Strasburg is like... throwing from 120 feet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's throwing means that he's not shut down, which is obviously good news. Um, the Nats have said that in order for Strasburg to get back on a big league mound, he's going to have to make a rehab start at the alternate site. Um, there are no First, he's going to have to throw a sim game. Then he's going to have to make a rehab start. And there are obviously no plans for him to do that as of yet. I don't think he'll mm-hmm. be coming back this turn or the next turn. But uh, I would think that maybe mid-May is is a goal um and again no one has seen him you know i mean obviously some people have seen him but we haven't seen him since he pitched terribly and threw an 88 mile an hour fastball in st louis so no one knows you know what he looks like now if he looks healthy but uh the nats are certainly proceeding as though they expect to get him back in the near term. Uh, And then on that note, the Nats are also probably this week going to get John Lester back. Uh, We don't know. We don't know how his rehab start uh, went in Fredericksburg. We know he was supposed to get up to six innings and 90 pitches. Uh, We haven't gotten an update on that, but we also haven't gotten an update that said that it didn't go well. So mm-hmm. one would imagine the Nats have some flexibility here because they have all these off days. Uh, but one would imagine that he will probably make a start sometime during the Marlins series. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, it's been it's been slow. I mean, especially with him with his surgery and then coming back and then being on the COVID IL, it's probably was kind of tough for him to work back and get back to game shape from all that. Yeah, I mean, and, and Fetty hasn't really been the problem here. So no, Fetty's been fine. So, yeah, it's not a huge... If Fetty was, like, blowing up every night, right. then it'd be more of an issue. But he hasn't been. He's been pretty ca- uh, capable. Yeah, I mean, three runs in five innings against the Mets, uh, his last start. He was really strong through four, and then... A couple of walks and a Jacob DeGrom double put him in a rough position. Um, yeah. But didn't but, matter. I mean, you take, the Nats, the you Nats weren't... Five star. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They weren't winning that game. They weren't scoring anyway. No. Uh, no Jacob DeGrom was too damn good that night. And on the Sunday game, uh, they didn't score either. They had a lot of opportunities. You, know, you can talk about they made some base running errors. Uh, they put some balls in play, hit them hard, but right at people. Or in the case of that Schwarber ball to Albert Almore Jr., not right at people, but they made great plays. Uh, 
the offense looked anemic any way you want to put it. And obviously base running has been somewhat of a problem to this point, but it's an extraordinarily secondary problem to the problem of the Nats not driving the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously it would be great if Victor Robles didn't stupidly make the first out at third base in the third inning when even Bob Sendley was holding him up. Like, that was not good for the Nats' chances of winning the game. Uh, but at the same time, that wasn't the reason that they didn't win the game. The reason they didn't win the game was that they got five hits. And that was the only extra base hit. They're just... Yeah. They're not driving the ball. And it's annoying. And obviously you can you can blame the lack of Soto to some degree, but... But, I mean, this was a problem beforehand. Yeah, and the, and the problem is Bell and Schwarber. And until they yeah. hit, this team isn't going to go anywhere. And, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. They've been back a couple of weeks. So I don't know how much in terms of long-term concern to be concerned about this right now. Uh, I'm pretty concerned. It's been a seriously bad two-week stretch, and Bell... Like, there haven't been any good signs from either of the two. Bell... Schroeder had his one home run, and Bell accidentally ran into a home run, but that's about it. And Bell drove the ball a couple times on Sunday, uh, and apparently, if you look at his stat cast numbers, he is hitting the ball hard just on the ground. I don't believe that. First of all, he's striking out a third of his plate appearances. So that's not a good sign. Uh, but yeah, second but he of all, makes contact. He hits it really hard on the ground. So because he's not, he's not on time. His timing yeah. has been shot. I mean, if you watched him against the Grom, obviously everyone is going to be late against the Grom. The Grom's got a great fastball. But if you watched him against the Grom, it looked like like a high school kid had been sent up there to face Jacob DeGrom. He was not even competitive on any of the fastballs. Like, you could have told him they were coming, and he wouldn't have hit them. And that's, you know, not great. Uh, Still a long season, still a lot of time for him to figure it out. But the truth of the matter is, if, if Bell and Schwarber don't produce, they don't at least hit to their career averages, this team is not going to be... Very good. It's not going anywhere. Right. It's just it's going to be a bad team. Right. Uh, the Nats, maybe even the worst team in the division. The yeah. Nats have had a lot of like I don't think any sign from this month, with the exception of Max Scherzer, looking strong, very strong. Uh, I don't think like of all of the the quote, keys to the season, of all the things that you would have highlighted as make-or-break moments for the Nats, you know, Strasburg's health, Schwarber and Bell producing, uh, will there be enough offense? You know, all the things that you flagged as important before the season uh, have had poor returns so far. Which mm-hmm. obviously doesn't mean that much. You know, we're 19 games in, but it hasn't been a super promising start. Yeah. 
So now let's look ahead to this week, uh, these next two games. We've got two games set up down in uh, Dundon, Florida. Dunedin. Right outside Tampa. Dunedin. And they're only written, written. I don't know. <laughs> Dunedin. 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 In Dunedin, Florida, uh, home of the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. Uh, we got two games tonight. Tomorrow night we got Scherzer versus a bullpen game. It'll be Trent Thornton taking the ball for the first game for the, to start the game, and then they'll turn it over to the bullpen. And then Eric Fetty versus old friend Stephen Matz from the Mets, now on the Blue Jays. Matz, who the Nats have career hit very very well against, might I add. They've had so, two twenty-plus games runs games while Matz was on the mound. Yes, there was that game in twenty eighteen where they that was the game that they scored twenty-four runs. Uh, off the Mets in total when they got to Mats for seven runs in the first inning. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was good. If they could do that again, it would be very neat. Like you said, one nice thing about this is that Ryan Zimmerman is going to be in the lineup. Uh, the Nats have not used their bench very much in the last week to the point no. that Zimmerman has gotten a grand total of one at-bat in the last week, which I, I completely get that the Nats have to get Bell going but at the same time it would also be nice to get one of your few competent bats in the lineup one of the few people who's hitting right now in the lineup you don't have to start him every game but i would have thought that at one point you know that there was some game in the last five that they could have started zimmerman uh yeah but they didn't find a place for it they're going to obviously get him some at bats uh this week um, the big question for this series in terms of, uh, you know, how the Jays feel is will they be getting George Springer back tomorrow or Wednesday? Um, it's sort of up in the air. They've said that they want to get him back at some point this homestand, although I feel weird calling it a homestand because they're playing in a ballpark with right now a max capacity of 2,000. Uh, in Dunedin, Florida, which is not Toronto. Um, the Blue Jays have had some poor run of health, uh, including possibly losing Hyunjin Ryu in his last start to a glute injury, but that doesn't really impact the Nats in this two-game series because they wouldn't face him anyway. Uh, I don't know. It's... Neither of these teams is at full strength. Um, the Blue Jays have not played particularly well thus far, which is a disappointment for people who thought that they could be competitive in the AL East. Of course... Well, hell, they still can. They're yeah. still very much competitive in the NL- AL East. Yes, that is very true. But... I mean, the AL East has been... I mean, the, the Red Sox are leading at 14-9, and nine, which is pretty good, but they're not going to keep it up. I don't. Yes, I might. mean, they might. They're not a bad team on paper. Offensively, they're not bad, and offensively, they're not bad. But rotationally, they're awful. Well, I mean, they've been getting some good. Eovaldi has pitched very Pavetta. well. Pavetta has been a revelation thus far, uh, and that was sort of one of those change of scenery pickups that people thought might pan out. I don't know. Uh, I tend to think that the Yankees won't continue to be bad for, you know, it's it's very strange because when the Yankees have 
had injuries early in the season in the past couple of years. They've been very successful. But this season, when they've managed to keep their lineup mostly together, when Stanton and Judge have both stayed healthy, they've been bad. So, yeah. I don't know. You you tell me why that's happening. But the Yankees are too talented to be bad. Uh, and in terms of the first returns from their sort of hope and pray rotation, where they've made a lot of bets on a lot of guys with injury issues, Kluber's ERA isn't so great, but he's looked pretty good. And Tyone has also looked pretty good. So, you know, I haven't seen any big red flags that would tell me that the Yankees are going to struggle this year. Yeah. But, uh, you but know... Going back, to the, going back to the Blue Jays... Yeah, that yeah, was a digression. I mean, yeah, but, uh, I mean, player of note for the Blue Jays right now is Vlad Jr., who's been fantastic, getting off to a great start of the season, hitting three thirty-eight with a ten thirty-five OPS. I mean, Bichette's been mediocre... Uh, to below average, Marcus Simeon's been bad. Gurriel's been bad. I mean, he's dealt with some COVID stuff. Uh, he's been awful. Danny Jansen's been terrible. Kevin Biggio's been terrible. So I think they're in a, a, a moderately similar situation to the Nats, as you were saying, with injuries and the offensive and the lineup not producing the way that they hoped it would. Um, the bullpen is actually pretty solid for them this year. Uh, yeah, even but though they lost their closer. It was very yeah, sad. Backup closer. They lost their well, so they they lost just Julian Merriweather. Yeah, Julian Merriweather, who came out had this amazing outing that you know elevated him to closer. They they basically immediately after that outing uh, switched Romano and Merriweather and said Julian Merriweather is our closer, and then he got hurt, which is just mm-hmm. it's kind of lame. Uh, yeah. But they have the, they have a two ten bullpen ERA right now, uh, which is the best in baseball. Uh, so their bullpen is lights out. So we're getting a bullpen game for one of the games. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, we could easily. I think it's Scherzer versus the bullpen. I think the Nats could take that one. I mean, they could honestly they could take both games. But you know, you want to. I guess you just want to get one. I guess it's the hope. Yeah. I mean, you you gotta win. You have to win one. You have to win one. I think they can win two from the Blue Jays. If I, if I were a betting man, I'm taking them to win tomorrow night and lose Wednesday. At this point, hit Matt's well. with the, the way that the Nats are structured, uh, every Scherzer game that they don't win is a disappointment. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you got to feel pretty good with Scherzer versus a bullpen game. But then again, the Nats haven't been scoring against anyone, so uh, who knows? Uh yeah, I, I would say win one and a two and three home st- a road trip will not be a disappointment. And then you get you know get Soto back on Friday, um, and then Lester back possibly also on Friday. The truth is, like we've been saying all along, you know it's it's going to come down to Bell and Schwarber regardless. You know Soto will be great to get back, but. The offense with just Turner and Soto isn't going to produce that much more. Uh, you're going to need some of those non-star players to start hitting. Uh, and until you do that, I mean, the Nats have been shut out 
five times in the first 19 games, which is not no, good. seven. Five times in the first 19 five, games. Okay. Uh, so hopefully they won't get shut out for a sixth or seventh time in 20 or 21 games. But uh, they have a very poor run differential right now because in the games that they're winning, they're winning very tight games because they're not scoring a lot. And in the games they're losing, they're often getting blown out because they've had four starting pitcher meltdowns in the first nine games, and they've had five shutouts in the first 19 games. So that's going to lead to a not great run differential. Right. So hopefully neither of those two things will happen. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully they score some more runs this week. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel optimistic about it. And probably win a couple 3-2 games this week um, before we face the Marlins on Friday. Yep, and then hopefully and the Nats face the Marlins and the Braves in a six-game homestand. Got another day off in between. They've got so many days off. Uh, yeah, which is perfect for them. Right. Yeah, no one's complaining about that. But yeah. uh, then we get Soto hopefully back Friday. Right. So we'll see. We'll this, see. This team is... I feel like that's how we end every podcast. It's just, we'll see. It's... Well, I mean, it's 19 games in. We're, we're very much in a wait-and-see mode here. Like like I said, the early returns have been not great, but, uh, you know, nothing that that can't be fixed right now. And the Nats are only two games back of first place. And hell, had they won on Sunday, they would have sole possession in first place. The division That's has hilarious. been so bad so far. Yep. The only team yep. with a positive run differential right now in the NL East is the Marlins, and they're plus one on the season. Yeah, so still plenty. I mean, no one's out of the division yet. Right. All right. Well, that's that's it for us today. We'll yep. be back on the podcast on th- Thursday with a new episode talking about the Blue Jays series. All right. See you then.